The message this morning is God sent his son into the world. God sent his son into the world. I'm really trusting that this would not just be another Christmas message, but that this would be one that speaks to you in a particular way this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing as the word is shared in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at four verses from Galatians 4. It's Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7. If you don't have your Bibles, it will appear on the screen. Let's take a note, take a close look at this. It says, but when the fullness of the time, would you please carefully notice that phrase? But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, sir, ma'am, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Three things I'd like to say concerning this passage of scripture. Point number one, God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Won't you say that with me? God's timing is perfect. Some time back, I remember having lunch with a friend we were sharing together, chatting about all sorts of things, practical things and also spiritual things. And he was sharing a bit of what God is doing in his life. And I was sharing about what God was doing in my life. And during the course of the conversation, he made the statement. He said, God's timing is impeccable. God's timing is impeccable. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty fancy word. <laughs> impeccable. What does impeccable mean? It means flawless. It means perfect. And just in the way I was chatting to him, I realized that this man had a revelation. He appeared to have a revelation of this. And you know what? I believe that you and I can all have a revelation of the fact that God's timing is perfect. I ask you today in your heart of hearts, do you believe that? Do you believe that God's timing is perfect? I am persuaded. His timing is perfect. And it says in our scripture, Galatians 4 verse 4, it says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. In the NIV, it says, but when the set time had fully come. Notice the specificness the intentionality. But when the set time had fully come, the Amplified says, but when in God's plan, the proper time had fully come. The Living Bible says, but when the right time came, the time that God had 
decided on. Then, in other words, Jesus, God sent his son into the world. I would submit to you today that God chose the absolutely perfect right timing to send Jesus into the world. His timing wasn't incidental. It wasn't casual. God's timing was spot on. Would you say spot on? It was spot on. And sometimes you and I might wonder, we might say, Lord, will you ever hear my prayers? God, I'm waiting on you for something. Will you hear my prayers? And I want to say to you, please don't give up in what you are believing God for. Don't give up. Keep on trusting in the Lord because I believe at the right time, he will come through for you. There's no doubt about it. Ask you a question. Are you perhaps in that situation today? Are you waiting on God for something? There's an expectation in your heart for something to be released. Well, I encourage you to trust him and know that he has your best intentions at heart. Sometimes when we don't understand why something's not coming right now in this particular timing, we need to know and believe God has our best intentions at heart. And so I want to encourage you to believe in the Lord and his intentions for you. But here we see this phrase, the fullness of time. My guess is you've probably read over that in your Bible and it's gone straight over your head. You haven't really taken close note of that. And in terms of the fullness of time that we see in Galatians 4 verse 4, I want to give you a couple of reasons why you can know that we can say that God's timing was perfect with Jesus coming. A couple of practical reasons, maybe uh, unexpected kind of reasons. Here are a few of them. The one reason why we can know that it's perfect timing and it's the fullness of time is that the known world had political order and stability. Wouldn't you agree if you got the Father sending Jesus into the world and there's a message that has to be spread to select a time when there is political order and stability? Was it just by chance? No, it was by design. Another reason that we can know that God's timing was perfect is that the Jews were expecting their Messiah. There was a sense of expectation. The Messiah is coming. And that played right into the timing of the Lord. Do you know that there was a massive network of communication across the Roman Empire? You say, no, you can't, you can't be serious. Even though it was far more primitive than our internet and our ability to communicate across the world, I want to tell you, there was a well-established communication of network and the history books bear this out. Also, another reason why we can say it was the fullness of time, it was perfect, is because there was a universally understood language. What was the language? The language was Greek. It was the language of the day. It was the language of the common man. And that's also why the New Testament was written in Greek. Because God chose a language which pretty much everyone in the known world knew and could read the Bible because he was focused on getting the gospel out. Do you see the fullness of time here? Do you see how perfect God's plan is? Another reason for the fullness of time is there was a 
believe it or not, a system of roads. And as I looked into this in a particular historical commentary, it said most of the roads were, believe it or not, built with concrete. Can you believe that? A concrete network of roads going out like a hub from the center to the furthest points on the, of the Roman Empire. And what's interesting is in terms of that, what's the significance? Well, it made travel quicker. It made travel safer. And you could get to the farthest points of the Roman Empire. And it also says that along these roads, there were often stationed many Roman soldiers it almost sounds like safer to travel in those days than these days. I don't know. But anyhow, so they had all of this in place. The road network could spread the gospel. Another thing is that it was a time of peace. Despite the political stability and the order, there was generally speaking peace. And so these are all indications that make us realize that this was the fullness of time. And so I, admit, I submit to you today that these things and many other things had to be in place to ensure the gospel would spread quickly and effectively. And let me tell you, God's plan is that the kingdom would have maximum impact as he brought it into the world. Can we say hallelujah to the Lord for that? Maximum impact. I've discovered that God works in our lives with amazing detail. And sometimes we don't always realize that until we look back and then we say, wow, God, you've worked with such detail in our lives. But there it was. The stage was set for maximum impact. And I believe that there was never a time prior to that, nor a time after that, where the release of the Son of God into the world would have been at a more effective time. God chose the perfect time. I believe there would have never been a better time. But God in his great wisdom said, this is the time. It is suitable for the coming of this Messiah. So the conditions were just right. The prophetic elements were fulfilled. And then God sent his son. How many of you can agree? That's perfect timing. And the scripture says in Psalm 102, verse 13, it says, You will arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time, would you say set time? set time? The set time has come. Why did Jesus come when he did? Because it was the set time. Why has God released certain events in your life at a particular time? Because it is the set time. Now, let's talk a little bit more about how does this apply to your life. And I want to say I believe that God is lining up circumstances in your life for maximum impact. Let me say that again. God is busy orchestrating and lining up things in your life for maximum impact. I believe he is lining up the right amount of experience. He's lining up the right people. He's lining up the right opportunities, the right breaks, the right provision to make you effective and to release your full potential. And so it's so wonderful to trust in God and in what he's doing in our lives. And let me say, I believe that Choose Life Church was birthed under the leading of the Lord at exactly the right time. Had it been six months earlier, it would have been the wrong timing. 
Had it been six months later, it would have been the wrong timing. I believe God just laid it on our hearts that it needed to be when it was. He laid that right timing on our hearts. Because just when we needed to hire an auditorium, it came about. Just when we needed to purchase a church facility and were in a position where we were able to do so, it came about. And I think of the fact of how God wonderfully prepared things for us. And I say to you, sir, ma'am, he is wonderfully preparing things in your life for the set time. Listen to the statement, the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. And so that's why you and I should actually have a passion about the timing of God in our lives. Because the devil will want to either hold you back from being in step with God, or he'll try to push you ahead of where God wants you to be. But you know what? The most wonderful thing is just being in the will of God. The will of God, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. In the timing of God. And so listen carefully. God knows what he's doing in your life. Listen carefully. God knows what he's doing in your life. He's working with great detail. Let him have his way because his timing is perfect. And so if you're sitting here today and you're saying, God, I'm trusting you for a partner. And you know I have been praying for quite some time into this. Lord, I'm trusting you. I want to encourage you today and say God's timing is perfect. If you are waiting to step into the calling of God upon your life, I want to encourage you and say, his timing is perfect. If you are waiting for some sort of a door to open and you believe that this is what the Lord wants for you and it hasn't yet happened, I want to say just rest in God's timing. His timing is perfect. Come on, put our hands together and thank the Lord. Because it was in the fullness of time that he sent his son into the world. Number two. God sent Jesus to redeem us. Would you please say that with me? God sent Jesus to redeem us. Now, during Christmas, we generally picture the manger scene. Am I right? And that's a beautiful picture to have in our minds. Baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph, some of them animals perhaps, some shepherds, also the wise men, and we have that picture. But I want to encourage you right now, won't you move beyond the manger to the purpose? Because God sent his son for a purpose. And it says in the scripture on your screen, Galatians 4, verse 4 to 5, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem. Would you say to redeem? redeem. We've got to look at the purpose of his coming. To redeem those who were under the law. Now, a biblical definition of the word redeem is the following. It means to buy up. It means to ransom. It means to rescue from loss. So when Jesus did that for us, that's what he was doing. He was rescuing us from loss. He was buying us up, so to speak. He was ransoming And so let me just explain this for a moment. Very simply put, you and I were all slaves to sin because of our sinful nature, which we inherited from Adam and the original sin. We were slaves to sin. Do you realize we were stuck? We couldn't help ourselves. But then what happened is the Savior came into the world, hallelujah, to redeem us. 
He came to redeem us, to buy us out, to pay the price, to take the penalty for our sins upon him. And because he redeemed us, we are now free people. Would you say to the person next to you, you are free in Jesus' name. You are free in Jesus' name. So it's quite simple. Slaves to sin, Jesus' death on the cross, paying the redeeming price, the ransom price, and then we are free. Think about that for a moment. You're free. You're free from sin. An ultimate effect of sin is death. You're free from that because Jesus has redeemed you. He redeemed us or bought us by giving his life, by paying the penalty for our sins. And only when that had been done, when he had redeemed us, then you and I became acceptable to the Father. And because we were acceptable now to the Father, because the righteousness had been put into place, now we could be reconciled to the Father. And that's why you and I can have a living and a vibrant relationship with our Heavenly Father. It had to happen, the being redeemed, so that you could be acceptable and so that you could be reconciled. And that's why the scripture says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was saying that. And I want to make it loud and clear. There's a lot of philosophies. There's a lot of religions. There's a lot of ideas out there today. And I want to say to you, it is only Jesus that can save and redeem the soul. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus. And it is the name of Jesus that can redeem the soul through his work on the cross to make us in right standing that we're acceptable to the Father. We reconcile, but it's only through Jesus. The scripture says in Titus 2 verse 13, it says, verse 13 to 14, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, here it comes, that he might redeem us. Would you say redeem us? How many of you can say, I am redeemed? Can you say that? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And uh, I remember hearing somebody, they kept on saying so, so, so. No, 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 you've got to say you're redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, I'm redeemed. Okay, so you as the redeemed of the Lord, would you say so? Thank you. You got that one. Everybody's wide awake this morning. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that he might redeem us. From every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And now that you and I have been redeemed, we have a responsibility to live as free people. And so don't get entangled in sin and in bondage because God has made you to be free. Galatians 5 verse 1, it's on your screen, it says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. In other words, enjoy the benefits of freedom and stay free. The last point I wanna share with you. Number three, we are no longer slaves, but sons and spiritual heirs. Would you please say that out loud with me? We are no longer slaves, but sons and spiritual heirs. From our text, it says in verse 
6 and 7 of Galatians 4, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit into the, uh, the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And I want to just make this clear that being a child and being an heir are inseparable realities in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, you cannot be a child and not an heir, or an heir and not a child. Because when you become a child, you automatically become an heir. So that's why we can say as children of God that we are also spiritual heirs together with Christ Jesus. Please say this after me out aloud. I am not a slave. I'm a spiritual son. I have a spiritual inheritance. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Now, a British theologian by the name of Robert Govett made this statement. Very interesting. It's on your screen. Christ, by nature, son of God, became son of man. That we, by nature, sons of man, might become sons of God. What a wonderful exchange. And because of Jesus and who he was, he made this all possible. The son of God becomes a son of man so that you and I, sons of man, can become sons of God. And I believe that we should live our lives with our shoulders back, knowing that that is the certainty of what we've come into in Christ Jesus that we are sons of God and heirs as well. The last scripture, as I draw it to a close, is on your screen. Romans 8, verse 15 to 16. As you read the scripture, why don't you just let it sink in a little bit. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of adoption again to fear. But you, sorry, but you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of Adoption, would you say adoption? By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then I'd like to add in automatically heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In the Roman culture, an adopted son would have all of the same benefits as the biological son. The adopted son would not be seen as second class, but he would be seen as first class, and the adopted son would have all of the access and benefits of the father's estate. And I want to say in the same breath to you today, you are a first-class son of God. You are a first-class daughter of God. Can I hear an amen? And we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And so I believe that we should not live as those who are spiritually impoverished. This should change the way we live, that we live with a confidence in our spirit that I am a son of God. Live with a confidence that I am an heir and a joint heir with Christ and all of the spiritual blessings that have been made available are mine through Christ Jesus. 
And so I pray that the year ahead, 2017, that you would live with more of a realization that all that is available to you, every spiritual blessing, is yours in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you, all of what we're talking about is possible because God sent his son into the world. Can we put our hands together and say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done. I want to end off just with a prayer of salvation. And please don't move unless you're part of the hospitality team right now. This is just a brief prayer of salvation for anyone here. You know you haven't received the work of redemption in your life. You haven't become a son of God and a child of God. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer now, which I invite you to pray in your heart, just quietly, phrase by phrase. And as this prayer goes out, would you mean the words right now? Let's close our eyes, all of us, for a moment. If you need to pray this prayer to give your life to Jesus, to be redeemed, to become a child of God, then pray this in your own heart quietly. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus, who was born in human flesh, is your son. And I believe that he died and rose again to redeem me. Therefore, I repent of my sins and I place my faith in Christ alone. I surrender my heart to you, Lord. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I choose to live for you unashamedly for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And Lord, now I just speak out a blessing over everyone here. I pray that you would give us all and those listening a, a wonderfully happy and joyous Christmas day. I pray that you would be the center of our celebrations. And I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God